0: I would like for us to begin this morning, since we're doing a series on prayer, to recite the Lord's Prayer only out of the New King James Version. It's listed in your service folder and they'll also have it up top. So will you join with me? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Heavenly Father, I ask you that in the next few minutes that you'd open our hearts and minds. We thank you for the adoration and the time of worship that we've had already today. But I pray, Lord, more than anything else, that you'd help us to have the eyes to see and the ears to hear, just as your servant, Jesus, Would so speak to his disciples that as we look at this prayer this morning, I pray, Lord, that you would let us hear what you want us to hear. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. As I mentioned just a minute ago, we are, this is the fourth in a series uh, called The X Factor on Prayer, Prayer 101. And uh, it's absolutely amazing to me that we can recite something like this so powerful in less than 30 seconds. And yet the principles that are contained within this particular 65 words in the English language that has been translated, and yet it covers absolutely everything in all of life that we really need. But you know, as long as we recite it from the heart, and that's part of the reason I changed the translation a little bit this morning, because if you've done this for many years, you've done it out of the King James and the these and the nows keep showing up there. And I like to be able to shift it just a little bit. But you know, if we we recite it from the heart and not just out of vain repetition, it means a tremendous amount. In my family, as most of you know, and that uh, we have five children, and uh, we have dinner around the, the table, at least when the kids were home. And we've done this for many years, and it isn't always dad that does the praying. We take turns, and I would go around the table, but it's up to dad to decide who gets to pray. And I I had one child who will remain nameless, but it's my youngest. And uh, when it was her turn to pray, and I've already paid my five bucks, by the way. Um, When it was her turn to pray, she would pray something to this effect for many years. Lord, thank you for this food and help us have a good evening. Amen. And one of my other child's children, who uh, will remain nameless, my oldest daughter, uh, would (laughs) would usually kind of criticize and say, she prays the same prayer every time. And so I turned to my youngest and I said, Did you mean it? And she would say, Yes. And I said, Well, and if you meant it, that's what matters. It's not the words, it's the heart, it's the thanksgiving. And it's important for us that as we go through the Lord's Prayer, that that's exactly what we look at. And as we've been dissecting this for the last couple of weeks, and if you're like me, or even if you're not, I get the stage today and I have the mic, so you have to listen. And so, therefore, as an educator, I want to refresh your memory and to bring you back. And I've put it into your notes as well, and I can let you know. When Pastor Jack first opened this session a couple of weeks back, he talked about our Father. And I've seen, rather interesting through this whole thing, a, a theme that's been developing. And I like to look at things as a whole, and I like to look at what is the theme from each particular week. And that first week, we had, we had the theme of adoration. And we really looked at that all prayer should begin and acknowledge Our heavenly Father, but not just acknowledge Him. We were told on that particular Sunday that from this message, I took away that our prayer and our faith is relational. It isn't just something that is extended out there. It's relational, and therefore we adore Him as our heavenly Father. The second week, He went on to explain, "Hallowed be Your name." The theme there was worship. And we found out that all prayer should begin with appropriate praise and worship. And I like that we start our service with prayer and worship. I worked with a pastor many years ago that actually found that three of his deacons would fall asleep at precisely the time he started his message. And he decided to do something a little different. And one Sunday he started his service with the preaching and did worship at the end. And they stayed awake the whole time. It's interesting to me, though, that that worship and what it really means in, in our adoration. We learned on that particular Sunday about who God really is and all about him. And we were shared eight different Jehovah's that talk about his name and how important that is. And then last week, Pastor Don reemphasized for us that your kingdom come, your will be done. The theme on that particular day last week was rulership, that all prayer should somehow invite his will into our work earthward. And therefore it's about seeking his purpose. What I took away from last week was a couple of interesting things. One was is that there are only two kinds of hearts in the world. Those that say my will or those that say thy will. And when we actually get the priority right and we say it's his will and it's his plan, we found out through last week's message that we affirm then our desire to follow Jesus. We affirm then our trust in God to answer our prayers, and we also then affirm confidence in the fact that there are future plans for all of us. Well, today that brings me to the fourth and to a nice little section of seven words Give us this day our daily bread. What does that really mean? The theme that goes here is provision. It's our provision. So to reiterate those four real quick, we've got adoration, we've got worship, we've got rulership, and now we've got his provision. And the priority that Jesus is setting for us isn't that we recite it, is that we understand the pattern and, and and the way with which that we should come before the Father in the midst of this. I like what he says here. It's kind of interesting. Think about this for a minute. He says, Give us this day our daily. He didn't say, Give us this year our yearly bread. It doesn't sound right. Give us this month our monthly bread. It's the first of the month. Happy December. It's the first, you know, it's the holidays. No. He said, give us today our daily bread. There's there's probably a reason for that, you think? Of course there is, because Jesus said this. You know, it, it really was because God wanted us dependent upon God daily. Not monthly, not quarterly, and not yearly. Daily. Now, you may be one of those that says, yeah, but... You know, I, I, I'm, I'm out of work and I don't know what to do and, and I'm just praying because I need to feed my family. Well, you know, the truth really is that God's been feeding your family for a long time, despite you, and he'll continue to do so. The bad thing in the midst of this is that you think you're the one that's needed. Truth be told, if you were out of the picture, he would still do that. And you may be saying, well, I, I'm working 40 hours a week and, and I love my job and I'm able to provide it. That's great. God is giving to you and through you. He can change it, he can move it, or he can even remove it, whatever he wants. But it's his will. And we need to be in that particular place where we say, Lord, whatever it is you want. I have a favorite verses within the Bible, and one of those comes out of Proverbs, and it's 19, verse 21. And it says, many of the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord who determines his steps. It's interesting how you may think you're in control of your life. But the sooner you recognize that it's his will working in and through you, the easier it flows and, and how that works. And even in the next chapter of Proverbs, Proverbs 20, verse 24 says, How can a man understand his own ways? Because it's the Lord that directs where he goes. And so if, if that be the case, you know, we can we can fight against this or we can understand that there's a plan. There's a pattern is here and we need to follow that. I don't know about you, but I tend to always look for examples in the Bible. I think they're they're there for us for a reason. We've got both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And a lot of those stories we've heard as we were kids growing up or in VBS or in other areas. And so anytime I have a situation or a problem or even, um, you know, I'm going through some great times, it's really important to understand and to be in the Bible on a regular basis. And so I can always go back and say, what does the Bible say about that? Now, if I'm in the process and I'm trying to make a decision, where should I go for dinner today? I'm not going to go to the Word of God. I, he's not going to tell me in there. I'm not going to open it up and find some biblical name of some restaurant that's along Peach Street, and I'm going to fight the traffic and get there. That's a little absurd. But there are patterns and principles within that. So if I'm looking for something that has to do with the words daily and food, what portion of Scripture comes to mind? The wilderness experience, doesn't it? The children of Israel were led out by Moses... And we find that around about chapter 16 of Exodus, uh, we find that they've been grumbling, saying, you know, we wish we would have stayed back where we were. Even though we were slaves, we had great stuff. But God's having a conversation with Moses, and I've included it in your notes here. And it says this, Then the Lord says to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you, and the people are to go out each day, interesting, and gather enough for that day. In this way I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. Now what we're told here is this is called manna. For some of you that may be new, others of you you know. And, and the definition of manna is real simple. What is it? So every day they got up and were to go outside and discover, what is it? And they couldn't take too much of what is it, because if they took too much... If you read the rest of the story, you found out that it would rot. They were only supposed to take enough for that day. And that's it. And the only exception was on the weekend. For 40 years, God did this to them. He provided for them for 40 years. Now, I don't know about you, but if I did something for 40 years, I might get the pattern, right? But we find from Scripture they still didn't get it. Many of them still lost it. God's saying along the way, in essence, you can count on me. You can always trust me. However, did they trust him? No, they didn't. God bless their souls. But you know, the same thing can happen to you and I today. God could provide for you and I for 17 long years. You could be at some particular place to where you've got, you've got a secure job. You know everything's been covered. And in fact, there's just no way that nothing's ever going to happen. And then all of a sudden, one day it's gone. And suddenly you now have to provide, or you have to rely upon God in a different way. And you may realize that, wait a second, that was my provision. No, God was your provision. You see, God will provide. And that's the whole point here, is that we should learn that. And I think what Jesus is doing in the midst of this Lord's Prayer is he's tying this Old Testament story, life example, real life thing, to modern day today, saying, this is how you should pray. Give us today. Don't be don't miss that point. Give me today. Well, I think it's kind of interesting that a lot of us if we're in that particular spot right now where we're we're really relying upon God for our next meal, I don't know about you, but the first thing that comes to my mind is you've not prepared well enough. That if suddenly you don't know where the next meal's coming from, that's that's what our culture tends to do to us. Truth be told, if you really look at it. We probably all have at least three, four weeks of food stored up in our you know, pantries and freezer and who knows. It may not be exactly what you want to eat, but there would be plenty of food that's there. However, I think the Lord is really in essence saying here through this is that, Lord, for the provisions for today, we ask of you. We thank you for what you've given to us. He wants us to be in that particular place. Have you ever heard of someone over the years that really truly trusted God and God didn't come through? I haven't. I've been serving the Lord since 1979, 34 years now being in the ministry, and I can't think of a single time that anybody's ever come up to me and said, Pastor John, you know what? I trusted God with my whole heart, and he let me down. Missed the point. It it didn't happen. I'm telling you, there's testimony after testimony of people that literally got to that particular place. Why? Because they had to get to a spot to where they had to watch and see what God was going to do. Pastor Don told us last week that sometimes when we pray for things, God answers in one of three ways. Yes, no, or not now. And that not now is one of those places. I love how we, how we even sung about it here today. I had to write this down. You know, it is, there's strength in, in, in coming through when we wait upon the Lord. There is strength that will come to us when we wait upon the Lord. If God answered our every prayer the minute we prayed it, sometimes we'd have to keep, we'd be praying back and forth like this. God, would you give me this? And then later we realize, man, if he'd have given me that, wow, I'd have gone a different direction. Sometimes we just have to realize, we have to get to that place, and I think that's what Jesus is saying in the midst of this prayer, is that we've got to be thankful that he's ordering our steps. Reminds me of Anna, an elderly woman who was a nurse working in eastern Michigan, and she sat down to eat her food in the midst of a break. And this is what she said, very simple prayer. Lord, thank you for my vittles. Thank you for my vittles. Amen. A young man who was standing around there walked over and said, Anna, what's a vittle? <laughs> Some of you know what vittles are, don't you? <laughs> and Anna looks up and she says in, a, in kind of her, her own way, she says, well, vittles are my food and drink. And the young man says, well, Anna, your vittles are provided every day. It's a part of, you know, you working here. And she says, Oh, you're right. I know that. She says, But they taste so much better when I'm thankful. <laughs> and you know, it isn't that we pray for God to bless the food to our bodies. I had a young college kid one time set me straight on that. And we, you know, sometimes we get so used to the routine that we stop and we pray for our food and, Lord, thanks for this food. Bless it to our bodies. You don't have to play that, pray that. The food does that naturally. The prayer is not so that the food will bless our bodies. Okay? The prayer is that we're thankful. That's what we need to be mindful of. When we stop to say grace, it's that we're thankful for what we have before us. And so kind of sets that straight. Anna was thankful. We just finished a holiday where we're supposed to be thankful. And I find it rather interesting looking at our culture, and I'm going to speak broadly here for a minute, I don't want any emails later, okay? But quite often we have totally forgot the purpose of Thanksgiving. You know, we talk about it. It was about yes, the Pilgrims and the Puritans and they were coming for religious freedom. We don't celebrate that. You know we celebrate it Thanksgiving. How much we can eat until we can't, you know, stay awake. And 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 I hear it all the time. Thanksgiving's all about two things. Family and football. Those aren't bad things. I'm not saying those are bad, but I'm saying are we truly thankful? As a nation, we have kind of forgot that. And, and the whole point of Thanksgiving, truth be told, if we really ate the original meal, it certainly wouldn't be a fatted turkey with all the trimmings that goes with it. And you know what I'm talking about if you've ever looked at that. But in our culture today, here's what I'm trying to get at. In our culture today, we tend to forget what we have and how we got it. Because there's a few generations later. We've forgotten to seek His purposes. And we're forgetting to seek his provision on a regular basis. Oh yeah, I know that to some extent. But you see, God wants us dependent on him daily. Daily. That's the reason we say that. It isn't just a matter of reciting it. Did you mean that prayer you just said? Did it come from the heart? Or is it something you have just quickly said? It it can be just as simple as, and in fact, Jesus said it right there. He said, don't stand and and, and make it a verbose statement. Say what you mean and mean what you say. You can very simply stop and say, Lord, I acknowledge you as my provider. Thank you. And that's it. It can be that simple. It isn't about the other parts. Proverbs chapter 30, the, uh, Solomon, one of the wisest men that ever lived, wrote this. Two things I ask of you, O Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. There's some powerful lessons in the midst of this. And he's showing two, two directly opposing ideas. And he's saying, once again, the very same principle that I think Jesus is reiterating here in the New Testament. And that is, you know, we, we, we want to be at that place where we're constantly dependent upon him. Don't let me have so much that I'm just going to forget the blessings. Or don't let me have just so little that I forget the fact that I'm praying upon God and I'm asking him. I think there's another lesson that I see here. And that is the connection that God is concerned for every detail. The word is not in there, but when he says that we are to ask him daily and thank him for our daily bread, I think what Jesus is implying is, I'm concerned about the details. It's the little things. See, the most important thing isn't the discovery here that we can ask God for the mundane things. I think it's kind of fascinating. As he goes through this, we start off with our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be his name, the kingdom come, the will be done. And then he says, give us. Today, In other words, we're told what we're supposed to say. The, the most important thing isn't that we get to ask. The most important thing is we're told to ask. In other words, you need to be asking. It, it sort of reminds me of you know the, the, the child who's, who goes to his parents at, at, toward the end of his high school years, and he says, Dad, I'd really like to go to college. I know we haven't really talked about it much. And oh, by the way, college is going to cost about hundred grand." And Dad says, that's okay. No problem. I started saving the day you were born. And I have the money for that. In other words, he was planning. Our Heavenly Father does the same thing. He said, would you just come to me and ask? Because I already have the resources. I already know what you need even before you ask. But you must ask. I'm asking you. We're told to ask. I think that's rather amazing. We couple that, that God is interested in the day-to-day matters, the details of our lives. We couple that back to back with the fact that it's the Almighty's will. It's his plan. And he's saying, I want you to release here on earth to be able to do exactly what I have set up forth in heaven. And if you do that, the little details will be covered in such a way that not only will you be grateful, but you'll be amazed as to what I do in and through you. It doesn't mean that we're supposed to worry about them. In this particular passage of Scripture, if you go to the end of chapter 6 of Matthew, we find that uh, starting in verse th- uh, 32, he says, Don't run after all these things, because your Heavenly Father knows what you need them. In a very famous portion of Scripture that you already know, Matthew six thirty-three, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Referring back to the Lord's Prayer. And all these things then will be added to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. What's he saying to us, really? God's already into tomorrow. He knows what's going to happen. And you know this already. I'm not telling you something you don't know. But what I am telling you is couple that with the fact that he wants us to have balance in our lives between let's not worry about where it's all coming from. But on the other hand, let's not neglect it either. To be in such a place to where we just say, well, God's going to meet my needs. I don't have to worry about it. Um, we, we take turns being pastor of the day on call. And every so often somebody will come into the office and, and they'll call back and they'll say, hey, there's somebody here that needs a, got a POD call as we call it. And a while back, I came out and I met with a gentleman, and he started sharing with me. And the first thing he, he did is he said, basically, I'm in a bad place. Okay, well, that's probably why you're here. And, and, and we're there to really pray with him. He proceeded to start dropping all kinds of names of all you people here as though I'd be impressed, okay? And all these people that he knew. And in, in the midst of that, he said that, uh, he started telling me that he had some problems, and he thought that what we as a church should do is just drop what we're doing, provide him resources, job, and a place to stay. And I looked at him and I said, well, it's not exactly what we do here. What we do here is we really pray with you and we'll put you in touch. But tell me a little bit more about your circumstance. And the more he started telling me, I realized he had places he could go. He had things he could do. He didn't want those. He was neglecting his part. He had family in the area. He had friends, but he had been neglecting to be involved and connected with his small group. And there were people. And when I said to him, you know, so-and-so, did you talk to them? Yeah, I did, but they won't help me. Okay, that might be a clue. And then when I referred to him and I said, well, you know, you've got a place like the City Mission. No, I won't go to the City Mission. Why not? Because they lock you in at night. I said, well, I don't know about you, but I don't get up at night and go outside. I stay asleep all night. And, but, but basically, no matter what I brought up, and he really thought, you know, well, you know, will you let me stay in your barn? No, I can't let you stay in your barn. Yeah, I know, because for insurance reasons, and we shouldn't really be, you know, submissive to the government. Wait a minute. And I realized what I had here was a situation where he needed more than anything else was prayer. And I told him, I said, I'll pray with you. And that's what we did. And he brought up this idea, says, well, you know, the church's job is to make sure that everybody gets saved. I said, oh, no, no, wait a second. The is Jesus gets you saved, brother. I don't do that. And our salvation is not based on works. But the blessings of God in our life are based on our obedience. And he's put it into his word right here. And that's what he said. What I'm getting at is this, is God's or God's principles are diametrically opposed to those of the world. The world says this is what it we sh- this is what you should do for me. But God says this, give and it shall be given to you. But the world says get all you can and can all you get. But God's ways are not man's ways, and we need to really put that together i told you a story a couple of times about a friend of mine named Jerry, and it's interesting how God has used that. When I was working for the oil company in the 80s, in the 1980s, I was at a church, and I felt that God had to stay there. And uh, in the midst of that, uh, the Lord opened the opportunity for me to kind of be bivocational bi- at that time. And so I worked in an oil field. I thought I'd be there about a year, and I was there six, while also being involved with as a pastor of the church. And I started to work alongside a gentleman by the name of Jerry. And I started it at entry level, what they call a roustabout, which basically is anything they want you to do. And they paid you real well to do it because it was the oil field. And Jerry's working alongside of me, but Jerry's had oil field experience. And as Jerry and I got to know one another, I realized he started opening up a little bit more to me. And let me tell you, the gist of the conversation was this, is that Jerry had a failed marriage. Jerry had a failed career. He had a very successful career at one point, but it was long gone. Jerry has lost touch with his kids, and he really didn't know where to turn. And the only thing he knew to do is he knew that back in the oil field, that even if he started back at an entry-level position, he knew that he could slowly work his way back up. But I could tell right away that as Jerry and I were working side by side that God had other plans. Jerry made a statement I never will forget, and in preparation for this message, it came back to me. And I, I, I didn't even remember that until just through this. And that was this. I remember Jerry saying to me, you know... I had some of that religion stuff when I was a kid. And I remember praying a prayer, and I remember feeling much different that God had done something in my life. But I, I lost it. And, and I seem to have fallen out of favor with God, and I don't know how to get it back. And everything I've done has fallen apart. And you know what? I could tell that even when God said to me, all right, I'm going to make you bivocational, and I ended up side by side with a number of different guys, God used me to touch into Jerry's life as a result. What I shared with Jerry was very similar to these next four points. You see, what are the requirements to get back on track? What are some of those requirements to make sure that I'm in the will of God so that as I pray, God, give us this day our daily bread what do I need to do? Four simple points, and I want to share them with you and, uh, in order for us to remain there. To be in the will of God, number one, we need fellowship with God through prayer and the reading. And I should have put of his word, not just reading. <laughs> put that in your notes. The reading of his word. And you say, well, if I'm to pray and I'm trying to get in fellowship, no, here's the thing. If you don't know what to pray, pray the scriptures, go through Psalms. Go through Proverbs. Pray those things. God wants your heart. It's the adoration. It's the relational with the Father, as we said earlier. It's that practice of praying those things. He's given us a pattern as we see through this, as we go through this. Start it off very simply. Father, I'm, I'm here. I, I, I recognize who you are. I recognize you have a plan. I recognize you have a will, and you want it to be applied here on earth. And to go from there, Proverbs chapter 8, verse 34 and 35 says, Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. I don't know about you, but today is December 2nd. And this morning I got up and the first thing I did was read through Proverbs 2. It's real easy to read through the Proverbs. You can do one a day. And there are some days I realize, oh, you know, I'm looking through my, oh, I missed the last three. Oh, well. Oh, well. I just keep right on going. You know, all throughout the year, I do my best. I read through the Proverbs at least 12 times. And there's other areas of reading. And sometimes I stop and I've underlined the section in there and I'll make a little note off to the side just to remind myself or I'll journal off to the side. It's just a matter of praying the Scriptures. That's part of it. How do you know you're in God's will? He'll direct you by the reading of His Word. It's absolutely amazing to me. It's not rocket science. It's so simple. Even a child can do it. (laughs) It's about relationship. And without that relationship, what you experience is no peace, no purpose, and no power. It becomes empty religion. It becomes ritual. And we wonder why it doesn't work. Matthew 6.33 there says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And if we get it in that order, here's what we have. We have adoration. We have worship. We have rulership. And we can stop and say, Lord, I thank you for your divine abilities in my life. I thank you for the efficiency. I thank you as well that I get might that comes as a result, which then provides for what I need. Second thing that we need to do to stay in the will of God is fellowship with one another in church. I've known people for many years that say, well, I'm a Christian. I read my Bible and I do what I need to do. And I say, okay, are you in fellowship somewhere? No, I hate that church stuff. I don't like organized religion. And I usually say to him, I don't either. I never have. But you know, the Lord tells us, and it's right here in Hebrews, let us not give up meeting together. Some are in the habit of doing. Who's in the habit of doing that? The heathen. Those that are religious without relationship. People that have a form of godliness but have no power. They do not come together. Well, you know, all that preacher does is just tell me what I'm supposed to be doing, okay? You know what's really interesting is that when, when one of us gets up here and we talk about biblical principles, and whether it's, whether it's you know, giving or whether it's tithing or whether it's, no, the same thing, aren't they? Okay, uh, whether it's praying, whether it's serving and all those kind of things, the people that are doing that, I have yet to hear anybody who's, who's faithful and all those saying, I can't believe you keep talking about that. They're usually the ones that are saying, yeah, right on. And so I just have to say to you, we need to encourage one another. We need, it's called exhorting. We need one another. I don't know if you saw it or not, but you didn't come in here today for you. You came in here today in church for everybody else. Okay? That's what happens. And if you come in here and realize that you play to an audience of one. And many times we may come in, maybe it's at the time of greeting. I was standing there back there a minute ago, and Mark Furman gave me a nice little, you know, back massage. And I said, I'll give you about an hour to quit. You know, I was blessed today by somebody else. You see what I'm saying? That's a simple, practical thing that we come in here. And so in order to be in God's will, we need to be in fellowship with one another. And the church, I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about people. Okay? As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. From Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. Let somebody else speak into your life. Have an accountability person. That's what church is about, is we need that with one another. Third thing's real simple. Be diligent and balanced in your work habits. Paul gave some instructions here in First in Thessalonians. He says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business and to work with your hands, just as we are told to do, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Here's what he's in essence saying. Don't meddle. You know what happens when you're idle? You start gossiping. You start talking. Well, well, let me tell you, let's pray about so-and-so. Did you hear about what happened to them? And I want to say, you know what? That is a bunch of fooey You got to stop that stuff. And that's what he's saying. Get busy. Busy people don't gossip. Busy people don't meddle. So if you're busy. But then I, here's the other thing. This is our culture. This is where we're at. Oh, yes, I'm not meddling. So what am I doing? I'm working two jobs over here. I become a workaholic. Why? Because in essence, I'm trying to keep up with the old term, the Joneses. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, to make sure that I drive a car that's you know fairly decent, or I'm trying to do these things and I get get myself buried. And along and about this time of the year, or right after the first of the year in January, which will be starting again on January 9th, another Financial Peace University, because people have a tendency to feel like, well, God is blessing me if I have lots of things. And God says, no, maybe you need to go through a season where you have nothing whatsoever. And so what he's saying here, what Paul's saying is, there needs to be balance. There's two sides to that coin. And what he's saying is, why don't you do what you're, possi- what you're able to do, what's possible, and let God do the things that are impossible. And allow him. Watch and see what he does. So that's the third one. Fourth one and the last one is we need to be obedient in our giving. Oh, yeah, Pastor John, I knew you were going to touch on this one. Give thanks. That word give. (laughs) Malachi 3.10 says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much a blessing that you will not have enough room for it. I didn't make this principle up, God did. And He basically said, there's more talked about money. Jesus talked more about money than He did prayer or any other subject. Why? Because where our treasure is, that's where our heart is. And that's why He was referring to that. The principle here, you want to remain in the will of God. I'm going to tell you, it's real simple on this. And that is bring the tithe into the storehouse. Bless God's house first, so that God then can in turn bless yours. That's how it works. Try it your own way, it won't work. You'll be back, I know. All right? Take care of the root of evil, which is the love of money, not money. The love of money, as we find from 1 Timothy, Paul wrote said, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people who are eager to get money have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves. If you take care of the root of evil, you won't have any of the fruit of evil. Guarantee it. But if all you do is keep chopping that off and don't take care of the root and not realize... That's what's most important. It really boils down to this. Do you want to maintain and be in the, in the will of God? It's really this simple. It's about the lordship of Jesus in each of our lives. We're all struggling with that. Pastor asked us earlier, have any of us sinned? Have any of us sinned this week? Have any of us sinned today? Absolutely. Because the Bible tells us we've all sinned. But we're on this journey together, folks. And what he's saying to us is, we are to. he wants to give us This day, our daily bread. Now I ended it with this, and I went backwards. I talked about daily bread first, and I talked about him caring about our little needs. But notice at the beginning, he says this, give us. It's a personal pronoun. Not once in that section of scripture do you find, give me, give, I'm demanding, I want my way. He's saying us, our Father. It denotes several things that Jesus did. First of all, it promotes intercession. We're praying for one another. We came in here, and and basically rather than think about, I want my needs met, we're praying when we say this together, what we're saying as a whole is we're asking that God would bless all of us. I'm praying for you more than I'm praying for me when we say, give us this day our daily bread. That's what he's getting at. And that's what he wants us to be able to do, is recognize that it's not just about me. It's about community. It's about making that connection. It's about adoration to the Father. It's about the same time of worshiping him, of making sure that he's there. It's about that rulership of who is Lord in our lives. And it's about he wants to be able to provide for us. And when he provides, we are blessed. And we are blessed beyond measure. And you're saying, yeah, but the Lord meets my needs anyway. You bet he does but you really want him to bless your socks off, walk in obedience. Walk in obedience and see if he won't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing so much that you can't contain it. Will you stand with me? I want you to recite just these seven words with me, if you will, as part of our closing, and then I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you. Let's do that together. Give us this day our daily bread. Heavenly Father, I certainly do want to take the time right now and to thank you for the very fact that you are our Heavenly Father. I thank you, Lord, that we have so learned in this series so far that even through the various aspects of your name, Jehovah, you are our righteousness. You sanctify us. You give us peace. You heal us. You are there for us. You are a shepherd. You are the banner that's over us. And you are our Jehovah Jireh. You do provide for us. Lord, we desire more than anything else that your will would be done in our lives and especially at this particular time. So as we go through this, I ask now, Lord, your blessing upon each of us that may we be mindful of those areas where we can touch others and where we can walk in obedience to you. Help us, Lord, to be faithful and diligent and to be prosperous and to give you what is rightfully yours by declaring you as Lord over our lives. I pray this now in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you. Have a blessed week.